0: On May 25th of 2020, news spread like wildfire of a black man held down by police during arrest. One officer using his knee on the man's neck to subdue him, despite his repeating, I can't breathe. George Floyd, a father under arrest for a nonviolent crime, died in police custody hours later. His death ignited a mix of peaceful protests, violent riots, and reactions from notable figures across the world. The flame and the conversations dedicated to fighting racial inequalities and oppression in America burned larger and louder. Tragically, there were other violent acts against black citizens that fanned the flames, like Ahmaud Aubrey, Breonna Taylor, and Jacob Blake. Today on the podcast, we hear from several voices at Jefferson about racism in America and what we can do better to be more inclusive in healthcare, academics, and the corporate world. This is the Health Nexus Podcast, powered by Jefferson Health. I'm Gianna DiMedio. Subscribe to the Health Nexus Podcast on your favorite podcast player so you never miss an episode. Visit thehealthnexus.org to see more from our experts and patients. And send us a message. Are there topics you want to hear covered on the podcast? Let us know. We begin with Tiffany Gibson, a certified pediatric nurse who left the bedside to become a clinical educator and the diversity and inclusion advocate for Jefferson's Abington Division. The road to a role where she can focus on inclusion for patients and staff alike included her own experiences with racism.
1: I have experienced microaggressions and even overt racism as a nurse. I have had family members say that they didn't want a Black nurse. I have walked into rooms and people say, oh, you're here to collect the tray. And I'm like, no, I I am your nurse. I'm here to provide care for you. I am a dark-skinned Black woman and people would say, oh, you're pretty for a dark-skinned girl or um, having talks with other uh, moms about what to name their child because if the name sounds too ethnic or too Black, is the concern that, one, will people pronounce this name properly? And two, if seen on a resume, would my child have the same chances of getting this job, an interview, or a callback just based on their name? I have had micro- Aggressions from families and my colleagues that I understand may not have been intentional on their part, but it had a huge impact on me as a Black nurse.
0: In her new position, Tiffany will work closely with Jefferson's Chief Diversity Officer, Lizette Martinez, who you'll hear from later. Lizette will coordinate policies and standards for the organization to promote an environment of inclusivity and awareness. And Tiffany will mobilize various teams to ensure they are implemented at her division.
1: To have my main job be helping people connect the dots as it relates to inclusive environments and helping them understand about diversity and equity and how they can incorporate these things into their practices is really exciting to me. I, I get motivated when I come to work.
0: We talked about what she felt the nursing community needed to do better as a whole, for a more diverse and inclusive future. She said it begins in school. Because once the nurses
1: are here and working professionally, a lot of the focus is on the clinical environment and their skills and the patient treatment and plan of care. To be mindful of culture and um, history and how people's experiences play into how they live their lives, I think that that is the first step. And you only see a glimpse of that when they're here in the hospital. And then they're here in the hospital sick. And so no one's really themselves when they're sick. And so as nurses, we need to be extra mindful about the compassion and the empathy that we give to patients and seeing how we can incorporate their tradition, their values, and their culture
0: into the plan of care as we get them back to their baseline. She's working not only with Jefferson, but also other universities in the region to broaden the curriculum for nursing and medical schools to have more robust and continual attention on areas promoting inclusion and cultural awareness.
1: The other thing, too, is to be a a nurse that is aware of cultural humility needs to be an ongoing practice. It's not a skill that you can learn one time and check off a box or take a test is something that needs to be ingrained in your practice. And so that needs to be uh, a discussion or education, training and awareness that happens all the time and is interwoven into the culture of nursing.
0: Another goal of hers, creating a psychologically safe environment in nursing where staff can speak up. Colleagues are more mindful and understanding and that doing nothing is no longer an option.
1: Let's highlight the experiences and talk about the impact that it has on, on our Black staff. And then, what can we do to be better? So, to really just talk about race, put it out there on the table, put it all out there in the open, and then be transparent about it, and then move forward together.
0: Tiffany emphasized that this can be difficult for healthcare practitioners. When so much of their focus is on others and the patients they care for, their own well being can take a back seat. And she wants the nursing community to know it's okay to not be okay. It's extremely important for people to to talk
1: about what's going on, to not suppress their feelings. And then most importantly, to know that it's okay to not be okay. I think a lot of times we suppress these uncomfortable emotions because we don't know what to do with it, but it's okay to say, I'm not okay today. Like I'm still processing what's going on. I'm not quite sure how I feel. Uh, I I don't feel like myself today as it relates to what's going on in the world on either side of the coin. And I want to leave on this note, diversity is a fact, right? People are different. We love the differences of other people. And and that's, that's a fact. Inclusion is a choice, though. And so how do we choose to accept and incorporate other people's differences is what makes this an inclusive and a safe environment for all, even as a healthcare institution.
0: Next, we take you to the research labs within Thomas Jefferson University's Genetics, Genomics, and Cancer Biology Program. Hey,
2: how's it going, DD? Hey, how are you? Hey, what time LeBaron
0: is it? LeBaron Agostini is a fifth-year oh, PhD student today. in the Jefferson College of Life Sciences. His research focuses on pancreatic cancer.
2: So I think I've always wanted to be a scientist since I was a little kid, and I think the older I got and the more classes I took, it became more apparent that I wanted to get a PhD as opposed to, you know, MD or PharmD or something like that.
0: Lee says racism hasn't affected his professional life as he finds science and research to be more accepting than other industries. But racial inequality is something he's far too familiar with in his personal life.
2: To give you a little bit of background, I guess, or context, is that I, I'm, I'm from Flatbush, Brooklyn. So I, I grew up in Brooklyn you know, in the 90s and not the best neighborhood and still ended up in this space. So these, these conversations that we're having at scale today are conversations that we've been having my entire life. You know, it's brand new for some people, it seems, but these are kind of like the reality that people from my neighborhood have been facing, you know, for as long as I've been alive. And I'm only 30, so <laughs> me, for example, people are looking at me like, you know, you, you're successful and happy collecting like and everything is cool, but, you know, PhD isn't written in my forehead, so I have different types of <laughs> anxiety, interactions with police officers or anything like that. And I think that needs to become more common, that, that understanding that just because people can are, are successful, that doesn't mean that systemic racism and that the, the institution of systemic racism doesn't impact these people's lives.
0: What he does notice in his professional life is a need for more understanding of the experiences of others.
2: As an African-American graduate student, as a scientist, as any of those things, I'm, I'm usually the only Black person operating in a space, particularly Uh, predominantly white spaces. So talking about racial issues or tensions, sometimes it's met with almost like ignorance or uncertainty. Like, are you sure maybe that's just a personal experience that's happened to just Mm -hmm. you?
1: Mm -hmm. And instead
2: of it being kind of like, hey, this is like people's living experience that they're having all the time at scale. I don't think the problem is really in the, the infrastructure, but I think people still operate even as academic people with the highest levels of education look at these issues and don't believe that systemic racism is actually a thing that's impacting people's lives.
0: Like Tiffany's views on bringing education about diversity and inclusion to the start of nursing in the schooling, Lee thinks more needs to be done earlier in a student's life to be able to promote access for people of color to research programs like his.
2: If, if science as a whole really wants to try to resolve this issue, they have to pour money into K-12 through 12 education especially in these at-risk populations where they really need, because that's really where the bottleneck is. Mm-hmm. That's when they're the most vulnerable. That's where the home is the least stable. That's where people need the most amount of help. So if you look at the students that end up in PhD programs, they often don't come from the types of demographics, racially or socioeconomically, that I come from, right? Because mm-hmm. you would have had to need to go to good schools, good colleges, these types of things. So it's not just trying to recruit at the very top the people that are even eligible for Ph.D. programs, Right. It has to start
0: art. way before that. Yeah,
2: exactly. So there's a reason why we're underrepresented here. And then once you realize that, then you can start asking tougher questions as to exactly how are you going to approach that obvious problem?
0: <laughs> and finally, Lizette Martinez, as mentioned earlier, she's the chief diversity officer at Jefferson, and has more than 20 years of experience in work surrounding diversity, inclusion, and equity.
3: Our country has been facing racism and these disparities and marginalization among people with color for, for centuries. And now we're seeing such a heightened view of it. Um, technology has really sparked that. When we think about the videos and,
0: and people are now seeing it. Lizette has led programs at Macy's Incorporated and Chiquita Brands International and created and led a strategic plan for diversity and inclusion at Yale New Haven Health System and TriHealth Incorporated. She arrived at Jefferson only a few short weeks before the cultural movement that activated around George Floyd's death. In my naivety, I asked if that changed her agenda in her new role. She said this is merely a continuation of work that has always had to be done across the country.
3: This is work that we have always had to do um, in really creating and cultivating an environment of inclusion and respect where we really look to bridge the gaps of racial disparities. You know, the murders of George Floyd and Ahmaud Aubrey, Breonna Taylor, they have spotlighted and really increased the conversation mm-hmm. and awareness on a global perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, however, we continue this mission Uh, to really help to look at what systemic racism looks like in our institutions
0: and begin to
3: put in place actionable items to move
0: it forward. And that's echoed in the conversations that I've had with some of the other sources is that Mm -hmm. they've always had these conversations and they're happy to see that the conversation is broadening through other groups of people, but that (laughs) it's a little disheartening that it had to take something on 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 such a devastating scale to really bring that out.
3: These things have, have been happening for such a long time and we need to do something. And it is, it can get frustrating, it's exhausting because yeah. um you know when when folks live in a community where we see this happen all the time, um it can be
0: it's hurtful. It it's you know it's painful. So what does operationalizing a strategy for a more inclusive environment look like at an organization of more than 30,000 employees? Where do you start? Well, everywhere, Lizette says. We need to cover
3: every corner. And so when I look at diversity management, I look at building and collaborating with leadership to make sure that we have accountabilities in place. Um, I look at partnering with our marketing and communications department. What do our billboards look like? If our patients walk into our hospitals, do they see themselves? Um, I look at working with human resources, with workforce development, and really paying attention to our people. We need to focus on hiring and having diversity goals as well, but what does our environment look like and our employees engage? Do they feel welcome? Do they feel a part of the organization? Um, With patient experience and student experience, we need to assess and ask the right folks, how how does inclusion look? And where do we need to make improvements? And then the last one is community engagement. And what does that look like? Sponsorships, there's, there's event planning, but there's also economic inclusion. Uh, within our communities, and looking at how we partner with local vendors to make sure that we have um, provided access uh, for vendors to do business with the organization.
0: Now, a company can tackle each of these areas, but then there needs to be accountability, she says. That's the key to a future with a different narrative around the diversity and inclusion at healthcare systems, academic institutions, and corporations alike.
3: There's always talk about, you know, qualitative things, but what are the quantitative things that we need to keep track of? Because we all know that what gets measured gets done. (laughs) So we need to think about what do accountabilities look like in our organization to move all of our plans forward. You know, other things that we want to keep track of that I think are incredibly important is making sure that we track and look at what inclusion looks like. And we can do that by measuring our complaints and grievances on discrimination and looking at how well um, we are educating and building awareness on unconscious bias um, to help move that further and be able to track and and look at different divisions where the numbers are higher um, and learn from divisions where the numbers are lower.
0: Lizette also said that by adding questions on constituent surveys, whether that's patients, students, or customers, asking how they feel they have been treated can be eye-opening to an organization. And at the end of the day, it boils down to support from leadership, a thought shared by Tiffany and Lee as well.
3: What we want to do, though, is increase that engagement in which we really help our leaders with a good toolkit with language on how we support the environment and helping to encourage and to empower um, the organization to help folks know that it's okay to speak up when you have witnessed um, discrimination or or have been really a victim of discrimination in, in our environment. We understand that it happens, it's unfortunate. And we want to make sure that every employee, everybody who works here understands that they are supported by our leadership, and we need to arm our leadership with those the
0: right toolkit to make sure that that happens. There can be success here, and there can be ways to look back and say, we really made improvements in these areas. So what does that look like for you?
3: Yeah, you know, I, I will start off with a quote. Brene um, Myers has this awesome quote that she says, diversity is like, being invited to a party and inclusion is that feeling that you get when you've been asked to dance. Mm. And I love that quote. And to me, that's what success looks like, where we create an environment where we mirror our population, where everyone's invited to be here, and that everyone feels that they are so engaged that they've really been asked to dance, right? Right, that good yeah. That that you have where everyone feels engaged and they feel valued that they make an impact in this institution. That is really success. It
1: takes a lot of work. I feel like a lot of people want to speak up and they either don't know how or don't know where to go or feel that if they speak up, nothing is going to happen. So I might as well just keep it to myself. So mm-hmm. I know it's really important for me to make sure that people one address issues if they can amongst their peers, two speak up for themselves and just how how either statements or behaviors make them feel and then three escalate their concerns if they feel like they need additional help.
2: These are like conversations and points that have been part of the community for a long time and you know social media and everybody's listening now, so the conversation has come as a boiling point. If you do see something, if you see some aspect of the culture that is worrisome to you, you don't just have to be the black kid on campus for you to be able to voice your opinion about those issues, right? Or the LGBTQ person on campus. We should all be speaking up about things that, in ways that we think that campus life can be improved from a cultural and from, you know, just from a professional standpoint.
3: Right now we have this moment to really bring it forward and make it happen, and and not just with words. We have to to really be there to do the actionable
0: things to make um, and create environments where we change these things. A program called Brave Conversations has begun at Jefferson. The letters in BRAVE standing for bold, relevant, authentic, valuable, and educational. It encourages small groups to talk openly in a safe environment about the sometimes uncomfortable topics in inclusion and diversity. The program gathers thoughts and perspectives from faculty and staff about what the enterprise should prioritize for a strategic plan. From there, actions are put into place. Mandatory e-learning modules on stereotypes, unconscious bias, and other topics are available to employees. A virtual staff community was overhauled to include resources to support a healthier community, like a clear way of reporting discriminatory actions, a data dashboard for metrics on diversity and inclusion, and stories, news, and events from around the organization. But as Lizette said, there is always more work to do. Jefferson encourages an ongoing open dialogue on these issues among staff, faculty, students, volunteers, and the community as a whole. And we encourage everyone to do the same. I'm Gianna DiMedio. Thanks for listening.